0: Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to be with the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father." You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Thanks be to Christ.
1: Thanks, Kevin even though we've been friends for five years, he has not yet transitioned to the extra special version of the Bible, ESV. <laughs> That's not actually what it stands for. I don't know how much you like reading movies, um, maybe writers of sitcoms. Have you ever gotten to meet a writer that you enjoyed? Um, I've had the privilege of meeting a number of writers whose works I liked, and every time... There was a nervousness that I didn't recognize in the moment that was, are they who I think they are based upon the books, right? And it was in either 2003 or 2004, I got to meet one of my favorite Christian authors named John Eldridge, and I got to drive him to and from a speaking event that he was doing, and I would reference the conversations with him for years afterwards, but I didn't want it to be like, I got to meet John Eldridge, and this is what he said, so I'd make it so much worse. I would pretend like he's a friend of mine but I wouldn't say his name and my wife would gently explain to me, what you're trying to do is not working. You're just making it more awkward. Either explain that you got to hang out with him and this is what happened or don't. But it was such a relief to me and so exciting to find that his personality is very similar to uh, the books that he writes. Similarly, I got to meet uh, Donald Miller once, a writer who I've enjoyed in the past. And we had a a relatively pleasant conversation, and he sounded like his books, and it was like, yes, okay. The pastor I worked for in St. Louis, his name is Zach Eswine, and I would commend to you several of his books. Um, Perhaps not the one I'm preaching unless you want to read up on that one. But what was so encouraging about his works that I continue to read is having worked for him, I know that he believes what he says and that he lives that way, and he's an imperfect person, he wrote the book Imperfect Pastor, so he's also an imperfect person. And it was such an encouragement to me. And I think that when we interact with the words of Christ and the promises of God, we get theological somewhere in our brains and being, and that's good. Every thought that we have, every question about God or for God, every time we interact with the text, we're doing something theological. And yet, the face of Jesus Christ And his tone of voice are so important. Because he's both God and man. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of months is we're going to look at the questions that people asked Jesus. I've preached on John 14 before. The I Am statements and the seven miracles of John are, are kind of an outline of the book in some ways. And a couple of years ago preached through those. So we've covered John 14 in some measure. Some of you are here, some of you are not. And listening to Kevin read that text, I'm aware of so much is happening. Theologically, this is the Last Supper. Jesus has already washed their feet. He's already talked to Judas and to them about Judas a little bit. He's about to start talking about himself as the vine. John chapter 15, there's the high priestly prayer. So much is going on. And what I want us to notice is how he interacted with his friends when they asked him a question. There are a bunch of questions in this text. If you back up a little bit into John 13, Peter's asking good questions, and this is when Jesus uh, tells Peter that he's gonna deny him, and Philip is asking good questions, and Thomas is asking good questions, and I wonder, can you picture it? So they were there for a long time. They ate, Jesus talked about communion, he talked theologically, he washed their feet, and so I wonder if the disciples were like, hey, what did he say when I was gone? And James is like, shh, I'm listening to him answer Philip's question, which was a little off, but it's still, he's answering it, which is good. You know, they had to go to the bathroom. So they got up and left. Some of them were sitting closer than the others. They were having side conversations. If you read through the text, the Judas part, and John, who's who leaning on Jesus because they were very comfortable in their friendship, and Peter asks questions, and it's moving around, and I wonder if you can imagine it. I was talking with a woman in the first service, and she's trying to memorize the entire discourse of this section of the scripture. And I said, wow. And she said, as I go through it, over and over and over, I'm better able to imagine Jesus' tone of voice. We have questions. And the reason I'm doing this series, and I've been studying for it for about six months, and I wasn't excited about it until about a week ago. And I'm not sure why I wasn't excited. I'll think about it and get back to you. But, the reason I'm excited about it now is we have questions. They're semi-conscious, or subconscious, but we have questions about our circumstances, about theology. I mean, Jesus talks here about the Trinity and he's already talked about the Trinity in John chapter 10 and apparently Philip either forgot or he didn't understand fully. And we have questions about these things and I think if we look specifically at the questions Jesus' friends asked him, we'll see our own questions mirrored there. We're also gonna look at the questions women asked Jesus because in the first century, women were marginalized in multiple kinds of ways, both by the Roman Empire and then more so by the Jewish culture of the time. And so Jesus' ways of interacting with women is remarkable. And they ask him really good questions throughout the scriptures. And then we're gonna look at Jesus' enemies because one of the most unique things about the good news of Jesus is not love God. A lot of religions say some version of that. It's not love neighbor. A lot of religions say something about that. It's love enemy. And watching him love his enemy will teach us about our actual lives and what it means to follow him into that. So Peter asks some good and maybe not great questions. Philip and Thomas are asking, how can, this is Thomas, that says, how can we know the way? Philip says, show me the Father. And as Thomas asks, how can we know the way? I want to talk about doubt for just a second. We make these incredible missteps when it comes to doubt. Christians and men and women who are not yet followers of Christ. On the one hand, we think of doubt as bad just bad, as though doubt is not a bridge between our faith today and a more mature faith, as though thinking through the questions that we have and the fears and the different issues because of our circumstances and because of our attempts to understand the scriptures, as though that's not part of it. The other problem we have is thinking that doubt is a virtue in and of itself and it's just to be sat in. It seems pretty cool in 2019 to doubt doubt as a bridge is important it is not evil that is why jesus discourages it meaning he's encouraging us to consider these questions that's why he's so gentle with philip and thomas and with whoever else was listening we don't fully know how many different tactics does he take to interact with philip's request to see the father and thomas's question how can we know the way Philip and Thomas have questions that I think reflect our own questions. Did you ask professors questions in college or in high school? Probably didn't call your teachers professors in high school. Maybe you did, I don't know. Did you learn that if your dad was laying on the floor of the kitchen and his shoulders and his head and his arms were under the sink to not ask him questions then? I did. I did. And if he was sweating, if he had been there for a little while, it was even more interesting. And yet, sometimes I still asked him questions when that was the setting. And you know why? It's the same reason your children ask you questions all the time. Your kids are not like my kids? They don't do that. That's great. The reason I would sometimes still ask a question, even after learning, that's not the best time to ask Dad a question, is because I'm wondering not only the information that corresponds to the question, I'm wondering, who's my dad? I went to office hours not only because I wanted to learn more about hermeneutics, but I was wondering, who's this professor? I liked his book. His lectures are good. But who is he? Who is she? Who is she? And when we're going through the teachings of Jesus, if you've read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know that Jesus talks about morals. Talked a lot about sexuality. Talked a lot about forgiveness, prayer, money, heaven, hell. In Luke chapter 10, he said he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And grappling with all of those things is essential to the with God life. And so is hearing his tone of voice, and being able to see his face. An answer to our questions without the humanity of Jesus will cripple your faith and mine. If you know the Westminster Confession of Faith, but you have no idea what Jesus' voice sounded like, your faith will be shallow at best. If you memorize scripture but cannot picture love incarnate's face in your imagination by faith, And your faith will not be as mature. Jesus wasn't white, by the way. Is it okay if I remind us all of that? Just, you know, sometimes we have pictures of him that are incorrect. Here's what I'm trying to get at. As we look at the questions of Jesus' friends and women and enemies, what was he like? Would you have wanted to hang out with him? I know you're like, of course. But as you look at the questions, as you watch him answer, let yourself wrestle with that question. What was he like? I think Philip and Thomas's questions are actually a little bit about evidence. I love that Philip said, let us see the Father. I don't know how familiar you are with the Old Testament. This was a scary request. Have you read the book of Job? Do you know how God appears to Job? In a tornado. <laughs> Is that what Philip wanted? First time that the Lord speaks to uh, Moses in the wilderness before he goes back to redeem the people, he's in a bush that doesn't burn up and he makes him take his shoes off. And maybe that's not as scary as a tornado, but I'm like, what was Philip asking for? I don't know if you're familiar with the Lord appearing to Moses on the mountain. There's earthquakes, lightning, thunder. To Elijah, like... But what Philip wanted, and I think what Thomas was getting at also and gets at later in the book of John when he says, after Jesus rises from the dead... Thomas says, in the midst of his grief and an active, healthy doubt, I won't believe unless I touch him. Then he doesn't need to touch him, by the way. He just sees him and worships and gives the most profound declaration of Jesus as the Christ that we have in the Gospels because he was willing to engage his doubt and grief for him at that point. What Philip and Thomas want is some evidence, and you want evidence too, and so do I. So we believe intellectually that God answers prayers. What we want is a yes to our prayer that day or the next day. That would be nice. And what we're thinking, even as we're praying it, is that would strengthen my faith, Lord. So I want us to notice Philip and Thomas asking for evidence. And then I want us to notice the number of angles Jesus takes. When he says, truly, truly, that's, that's him pleading lovingly for them to notice. When Philip says, show us the Father, is he forgetting John chapter 10, where Jesus explained the Trinity and that he's part of it? I don't know. I don't know if he forgot it. I don't know if he was confused about the other things that Jesus had said. How come Jesus is so patient? Because he likes Philip. Philip. And he likes Thomas, and he knew that in answering them, we would be encouraged also. He goes back to his miracles. He reminds Philip of all the miracles that he saw. You know why Jesus performed miracles? It wasn't to prove he was the son of God. Other people in the scriptures who are not the son of God perform miracles. Miracles support the message of the gospel, that God loves us, that because of the work of Christ, we're reconciled and we have the Holy Spirit. That's what the miracles support. That's why Jesus brings them up in the midst of this conversation, Because he not only loved Philip and longed for him to understand, but he was coming at it from different angles. Like us, on our good days with our children, they ask us a question. And it's amazing how much those questions can annoy us. Is that just me? On our good days, we take a breath and we think about what they're asking. And maybe we even have some sense that they want more than information from us. They're wondering who we are and what our love and our like towards them looks like. You have questions, and so do I. Questions about our circumstances, questions about theology, questions about things that Jesus taught about that we understand easily, like some of the things he said about money, things that are more challenging for us, what he said about heaven and hell, and the new heavens and the new earth. And what I long for in my being, and what this series is devoted to, is an integration between our minds and our hearts. what we know about the scripture and our ability to imagine by faith the face of love incarnate and to hear by faith the voice of love incarnate the information is important but our faith is not just information by a long shot it's an active trust in Christ. It's an active love. Love is a feeling, certainly, and it's certainly more than a feeling. Thank you, Boston, for that song. And to accomplish that, I didn't know there were only four Boston fans in here. (laughs) I realized they were kind of just one type of band, but still. Bring it back to your professional. What we long for is integration of our mind and our heart. We long for the sense that God loves us and likes us, right? The Apostle Paul, when he prays for the churches in the New Testament, in his letters, his prayer is always that they would sense what they believe to be true. He says it different ways, and of course we pray about circumstances, and of course we pray confession, and of course we ask for protection and provision. But his prayer for the churches of the New Testament was that they sense, that they get more of God. Can you have more of God? No, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have him. But yet, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the scripture asks us to live in this tension. And I think a good way for us to do that is to notice how Jesus answered questions. You have precise questions. Have you ever looked at the Nicene Creed? Do you know how important they thought an iota was? The I in Greek, tiny little letter, and how important that was for faith. You have questions like that that are theological about the difference between homoousios and homoiousios. I think I'm saying that right. Is there anyone in the room that? Thanks, Dan. And then you have human questions about your circumstances. And you have questions about the time that you live in, and the family you've been called to be part of, and the spiritual family. Questions about the sacrament. Questions about your marriage children, parents. As we look at the disciples and then women and then the enemies of Christ saying, show us the Father, we see our questions. And it's not just about evidence. It's not just longing for us to believe. It's about the collision of faith and feelings. I think that's often what's happening is the disciples will ask Jesus a straightforward question, and what they long for is to feel what they believe. Isn't that what we long for too? We can talk about the peace of Jesus all day, and if we're honest, everyone in this room is somewhere on the spectrum of feeling anxious, right? Right? Some of you are extremely mellow people. Others of you are extremely anxious, but you present like you're mellow. Others of us are moderately, and others of us highly. And I believe you came upon your anxiety honestly. I don't think you're making it up. And we talk about the peace of Jesus. And to receive and experience that peace, we need to, by faith, be able to hear his voice and see his face not just learn how to cast our anxieties on him, though that's essential. What we want is what Philip and Thomas wanted. They wanted to feel and think and believe the way they did when they were looking into Jesus' eyes and watching him perform a miracle. And they wanted it to last. And you want that also. And I want it also. Also. We have avenues to these things, our prayer time, our time in the text, our time with community to work these things out. To work for the integration of our faith and our feelings and our knowledge. And you know why? Though it is for the peace in our hearts, it's not first for the peace in our hearts. This is how we gain energy as followers of Christ. To move into the world as agents of reconciliation and change. Last Friday, I picked up 130 pounds of chicken from KFC and took it to the food pantry. And it was very oily. And I love that KFC does this. And if you'd like to come with me sometime or perhaps pick up a similar shift for the food pantry, I think that'd be fantastic. The energy, humanly speaking, for worship of God and love of neighbor comes not only from propositions, the true things we know and understand about God, they're also from the human face of Jesus. I can stand up here and tell you that Jesus likes you a lot, and I do, but what I want us to notice is how many angles he took talking to Philip and Thomas. And do you know what Thomas did after Jesus rose from the dead and then appeared to him? He walked to India And there's a community of faith there that did not have the support of the Orthodox or the Catholic Church, and they are still followers of Jesus. Coming to grips, or being gripped by the human face of Jesus, by faith, the tone of voice of him as he pursues his friends in love is not only to give peace to our hearts, though that is a sweet, sweet promise of the kingdom. It is to spur us on as agents of his love and reconciliation and peace. What we feel like is thrown about, right? We trust Jesus that we're secure in him, but we do not feel secure. I hope your prayer life reflects that. I hope your conversation and community reflects that. And I hope that as we approach the text, by faith, we hear the face, hear the voice of Jesus and see His face, as He speaks to us about His love. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we long to be full of the Holy Spirit and exhibit the fruit of what that Holy Spirit is doing in us. We long to love you well and love our neighbors well where we find ourselves, our homes and places of business and neighborhoods. We long as a gathering here to minister to the least of these in our midst and beyond. By faith, would you help us to hear your tone of voice speaking to your disciples and be moved by your love and affection and liking of them. Holy Spirit, by faith, would you help us to see your face as we approach the text and imagine what love incarnate looks like as you try so many different angles to help us believe and to believe more deeply that because of the Father heart of God we are loved and secure and liked and found and forgiven. And that because of the work of Christ we are reconciled to you. Holy Spirit, comfort us and assure us of your love in this moment. Amen.